Let's read together our text, Galatians 6, the first five verses. This covers part of our home visit theme here at Redeemer this year. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, most of us will put on a mask whenever we go out into public. And the same applies when we gather for worship on Sundays. We dress in our neat clothes, we put a smile on our face, And we give the appearance that all is well in our lives. We do a pretty good job of presenting ourselves in a manner that makes the people around us think that everything is okay with us. When I have pastoral conversations with members of the congregation who are hurting or struggling, they often feel like they're abnormal. To them, it seems like most church members are doing quite well, that they are part of the few who face burdens or struggles. It is appealing for us to walk around projecting an image of competence and strength. By nature, we are proud people. We want people to look up to us and not to look down on us. We think that for others to respect us, we need to show them that we are respectable people. We think that for others to like us, we need to show that we've got our lives together. So we put on a mask that hides what really lives inside. We're afraid to open up about our struggles and challenges, thinking that no one will understand because... Everyone else is doing so well in life. Often we're not even real with ourselves. We shove our hurts and our struggles into a box in our heart, and we nail the lid on as tight as we can. We do it because dealing with the hurts and the struggles of life, the trauma we've experienced, the guilt and shame that we feel, is hard. What we need to understand, beloved, is that we're all broken people. Some of you will probably disagree with that statement. You think that you've got your life in order and that you're managing quite okay. Thank you very much. But is that really true? Are there no sins or character weaknesses that you struggle with? Have you never been hurt by someone who's supposed to love you? Are you truly living in a deeply intimate, personal relationship with your spouse? 
Are your friendships such that you can reveal the real you to those around you? Don't you experience any of the consequences of sin living in this fallen world? I'd like to suggest that if you don't see any brokenness in your life, that you're living in denial, that you're not being real with yourself or with God or with those who are close to you. This year, our home visit theme is taken from Galatians 6, the first 10 verses. It's titled, Bearing One Another's Burdens. In this last chapter of his letter, Paul gives practical instructions about how we as church community are to support and to encourage each other. That's hard to do if we're not willing to admit that our lives aren't perfect, if we're unwilling to be vulnerable with one another. This morning I preach to you God's word under the following theme. Paul commands us to bear one another's burdens. As a spirit-filled community of believers, we are to gently restore those caught in sin, to carry each other's burdens, to be humble in our service of God. Our text begins by speaking about someone who is caught in a sin. The Greek word for caught can also be translated overtaken or surprised. Perhaps the person's sinful nature got the better of him or her. Perhaps temptation snuck up and he or she succumbed to wrongdoing. Earlier, Paul spoke about keeping in step with the Spirit. The Greek term keeping in step comes from the military. It means to stay in formation. Now, you can only do that if you follow the directions of your commanding officer. In contrast, our text describes someone who has taken a false step or who has fallen beside the way. Instead of keeping in step with the Spirit, such a person has fallen into sin. It is not hard to fall into sin. At different points in our lives, we all give in to some temptation or are overtaken by some sin. We want to look good in the eyes of our fellow classmates, and so we cheat on some assignment or test. We want something we cannot afford, and so we lie or cheat or steal to get what we want. We're angry with someone or jealous of them, and so we say bad things about them behind their back. We use pornography or fantasize to fulfill the sinful desires of the flesh. Given that we are fallen creatures, that by nature our hearts are corrupt, it is easy to be overtaken by sin. Sin brings with it guilt and shame. Often it makes us feel dirty and worthless. We hide it because we think if people knew about my sin, they would despise me and reject me. If we get caught up in a cycle of sin, we start to cut ourselves off from other people. We hide because we don't want them to know. Because of the pain that comes with this, we find ways of escaping. 
perhaps into work, perhaps into sports, perhaps into social media or gaming, perhaps into alcohol or drugs. We lie to ourselves about what's happening in our lives. We make excuses for what's happening or we blame our problems on others. It's hard to admit we're struggling and eventually our sins or struggles will come to light, especially to those who know us well. And our text, Paul instructs us about how to deal with a brother or sister caught in some sin. Paul writes, you who are spiritual should restore him. When Paul speaks about you who are spiritual, he's not speaking about a certain group within the congregation. He's talking to us all. We are the people of God, redeemed by grace in Christ. God has granted the Holy Spirit to live in each of our hearts. As a spirit-filled community of believers, we are to reach out and to support any fellow believer whom sin has ensnared. Our task is to restore the person who has fallen. To restore someone who has fallen into sin requires talking with him or her. That's hard. By nature, we're much more inclined to talk about someone who has sinned than to talk with him or her. Yet gossip only makes the situation worse. Usually, somehow, word gets back to the person, just causes him or her to build their defensive walls a little higher. We may also be inclined to just ignore the situation, to think that I'm not the right person to approach so-and-so, or that I'm not really qualified to do so. At times, we think that by ignoring problems, they'll go away. The time will help to heal all the wounds. That's simply ridiculous. Ignoring sin allows it to fester and grow. That'll impact not just the individual, but also his or her family and friends. Not dealing with the situation only makes it worse. So when we see a brother or sister caught in some sin, we need to approach him or her. There are times when our brother or sister needs to have their sin pointed out to them. Then we need to follow Jesus' instruction in Matthew 18. Jesus said, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. Sin needs to be confronted. It can't be ignored. It must be dealt with. If our hearts are truly filled with love for one another, we will go and speak with a sinning brother or sister. Many times the person you are approaching is very aware of their sin. He or she feels very guilty and ashamed. They beat themselves up because of their sin. In those kind of situations, confrontation is not necessary. Our text says that we who are spiritual should restore someone caught in sin with a spirit of gentleness. Gentleness is part of the fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians 5. A gentle spirit is a spirit which is considerate towards others. 
We want to come alongside a struggling brother or sister to help them, to support them, to encourage them. To do that, beloved, we must do away with a judgmental spirit. If you place yourself above someone else, if your attitude is that you would never do what they have done, you won't be able to help. Gentleness manifests itself in patience and forbearance. You need to truly have a compassionate heart towards someone else's circumstances. They've been caught. They've been overtaken by sin. They may be feeling terrible guilt or deep shame over what they've done. They need to experience grace and love from you. Our Lord Jesus Christ showed forth a gentle spirit in his dealings with sinners. He sought out the lost sheep of Israel. He didn't associate with the powerful or the mighty in the land. Instead, he went after those who were despised and rejected by Israel's rulers. The Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus' disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. From this we see how we are to minister to the afflicted, the fallen, the needy. We're to go to them as Jesus did, out of love and care, desiring their well-being and their eternal salvation. Confronting someone with their sin does not mean bow-breeding them with it. If we fall into sin, most of us know that we have done wrong. The real question is, why? Falling into sin may catch us by surprise. Yet there are usually reasons why we're vulnerable to a certain temptation. Christian will not steal unless he or she is in need or if there is discontent in their heart about what they don't have. You don't suddenly explode in a fit of rage unless there is underlying anger or resentment in your heart. You will not be tempted to commit adultery when enjoying a deep love relationship with your husband or wife. Most Christians caught in sin don't like their circumstances. When we sin, we wrong God. And we very often hurt the very people we're supposed to love. While sin brings with it guilt and shame, it can still be hard to admit that we've done wrong. To confess our sins to others mean we need to take off the mask. It means that we need to make ourselves vulnerable to the judgments of others. It requires us to be humble, to quit shifting the blame to others, to take responsibility for what I have done wrong. Sometimes we resist confessing our sins because that means we will have to change our life. And sin can be so addictive. At times it's so hard to put off the sinful flesh. So restoring one who has been overtaken by sin means standing next to that person in love. It means getting involved in his or her life. 
We need to help our brother and sister to see the real issues involved in their sin. If someone's abusing alcohol, you will not be able to help him or her to learn self-control without dealing with the underlying issues that caused this sin in the first place. If someone's committed adultery, it's not enough to encourage a couple to kiss and make up. You also need to deal with what went wrong in this couple's marriage relationship. Thus, restoring someone caught in sin involves a process of standing next to him or her, helping him or her walk in step with the Spirit. Beloved, who of us has learned to walk without falling over at least a few times? Who of us learned to ride a bike without ever crashing? Just think about the way we learn to do these things. Children learn to walk around the furniture. They've got something supporting them. Children learn to ride a bike supported by training wheels or by the firm hand of dad or mom on the back of their seat. So it is also in our spiritual walk with God. We all stumble at times. There's times when each of us wanders off the pathway. Isn't it wonderful that we are part of the communion of saints? Isn't it a blessing to have brothers and sisters who care enough about us to come and help us on the way? Let us not view someone's attempts to talk with us as something negative. For in our text, God calls us to walk with each other, loving and supporting each other in our walk with him. It brings us to our second point, and it will see how we are to carry each other's burdens. In our text, Paul commands, bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What our text makes clear is that brothers and sisters do not only need help and support when they're caught in some sin. We live in a broken world, in a world that's under God's curse. So there's also other circumstances that can arise where brothers or sisters need our love and care. Christians can be faced with many difficult burdens in life. We can be confronted by failure. We can be overcome by debt. We may undergo debilitating illness or have to learn to live with a disability. Some face doubts in their faith. Others have struggles with worry or anxiety or stress. Some undergo bouts of depression or face ongoing struggles in their mental health. We can be surrounded by people and yet face deep loneliness because we don't feel like we have anyone that we're comfortable with to share our deepest thoughts. We may face ongoing struggles in our marriage. It may be that our relationship has ended in separation or in divorce. Some deal with the pain and grief of losing loved ones. Others struggle deeply, seeing those dear to them wander from the faith. At times, such burdens can overwhelm us. They suck the life right out of us. They make it so that we find it hard to do the normal things of daily life. We just can't be bothered to care enough because we're bowed down 
by this circumstance in life. Sometimes our burdens are such we cannot handle them on our own. They can be so heavy that they must be shared if we are to carry them at all. Now, obviously, God is there to carry our burdens for us. The greatest burden of all, the guilt of our sins, is a burden that only God can bear. It is the reason why the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world. Hebrews 9 verse 28 says that Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Christ has paid the price for our sins. He has wiped our slate clean. When we repent of our sins, God truly forgives us. We no longer have to bear the burden of guilt for what we did wrong. God has also made great promises to help us deal with other burdens that confront us in life. In Psalm 55, David wrote, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are labor, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In 1 Peter 5, verse 7, the apostle instructs us to cast all our anxieties on God because he cares for you. God's shoulders are broad enough to carry all our burdens. Yet the Lord does not intend to do that on his own. He ministers to his beloved people through others. Thus the command in our text, bear one another's burdens. One of the ways that God lightens our load is by getting our brothers and sisters to do some of the carrying. People can give support in different ways. When we're faced with troubles or sorrows, some will offer a firm handshake or a warm hug. Others offer a listening ear and kind words of comfort and, and sympathy. Some will help in the practical things of life, cleaning the house, babysitting kids, making a meal, or paying off some of the bills. There are a few things we need to be careful not to do if we want to help carry another's burden. Don't pretend to understand what others are going through if you have not experienced it yourself. Don't offer empty platitudes. Don't tell people that God will work all things for their good when they're reeling with loss. The Bible teaches us, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Empathize with your brothers and sisters in the midst of their circumstances. Listen carefully to what they might have to say. Sometimes the very best thing that you can do for them is to cry with them. Don't be afraid to grab a Bible and read a few verses to give comfort. Pray with them and for them. It's how we carry each other's burdens. It's how we can try helping, help lighten the load when a brother or sister is bowed down with trouble or sorrow. 
Paul writes, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Striking, Paul says this. For most of his letter, Paul has been emphasizing that justification comes by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law. Yet now Paul stresses that carrying each other's burdens is fulfilling the law of Christ. It's a reminder of what he said in Galatians 5.14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's by bearing each other's burdens that we demonstrate our heartfelt love to God for all he has done for us. Brings us to our final point, in that we're called to be humble in our service of God. In our text, Paul has quite a lot to say about the need for humility. After instructing us to gently restore someone caught in a sin, Paul warns, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. And Paul concludes our text by writing, for each one, by writing, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each one will have to bear his own load. When we seek to help sinning or struggling brothers and sisters, we might be tempted to compare our lives to theirs. And that might cause us to be proud, thinking, I'm better than this person who has fallen into sin. Our tendency may be to make negative judgments about those who are facing heavy burdens in their lives, especially if we think that the people have brought these things on themselves. Paul reminds us, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Think about that, beloved. In and of ourselves, we are nothing. By nature, we are desperately wicked. We're slaves to sin. Were it not for the Spirit of God at work in us, we would all be living very sinful lives. We have nothing that has not been given us by God. Our spiritual blessings, our talents and gifts, everything that we have comes from God's fatherly hand. We shouldn't think of high and mighty about ourselves as if we've made ourselves who we are. It's not for nothing that Paul warned the Galatians to consider themselves in the process of restoring someone who has fallen into sin. The Galatians struggled with legalistic tendencies. And one of the things that always goes with legalism is pride. Abiding by a list of socially acceptable rules causes us to feel good about ourselves, and it causes us to look down on others who have not reached the so-called level that we have reached. It's easy to develop a judgmental attitude toward those who have fallen in sin, to think we wouldn't do that. It's easy to develop a superior attitude when we see others struggling to carry heavy burdens, to think we'd be able to, able to cope much better than they're coping Beloved, our attitude when dealing with sinning or struggling fellow Christians needs to be one of great humility. We need to realize that at heart we're no better than a brother or sister who's been caught in some sin or who carries a heavy load 
a heavy load. Our attitude should be, but for the grace of God, there go I. If you truly recognize the sinfulness of your own heart, you'll be very careful about the judgments that you make. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, Paul writes, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. None of us is immune to Satan's temptations. We all have to contend with the weakness of our sinful flesh. It's why we need to be on guard. Instead of comparing ourselves with others, Paul calls us to test our own work. If we truly want to test our spirituality, we need to examine ourselves according to God's standards. It's good for us to regularly engage in self-examination. Helps to remind us that we're sinful people who need God's grace. Makes us aware of areas of our life where we need to be on guard so we don't fall into temptation. Our text concludes by noting that each one of us will have to bear his own load. That seems to be in direct contradiction with verse 2, where we're told to carry each other's burdens. To explain this, it's important to know that the Greek uses two different words for the burden or the load that we need to carry. The word burden in verse 2 refers to a very heavy load, like cargo being loaded onto a freight train. The word load in verse 5 refers to a much lighter load, like a man's backpack. Each of us is called to help carry the burden. When fellow brothers and sisters are loaded down by troubles or sorrows, yet at the same time we'll all have to struggle with our own weaknesses and problems. Beloved, in our text, Paul shows us in a practical way how we as spirit-filled Christians are to live our lives. His focus is particularly on how we are to function as a communion of saints. But the help and the support we need to offer to those faced with sin or struggles in their lives. To do that, we need to take off our masks. Got to stop pretending that everything's A-OK in our own lives. We need to learn to open up, to make ourselves vulnerable to caring brothers and sisters. It's only when we open up about our sins and struggles that we can fulfill our calling to restore those caught in sin or to bear each other's burdens. It is through the Spirit of God that we are equipped to fulfill this calling. The goal is that we all together may keep in step with the Spirit, that we may live holy lives to the glory of God, that we may help and support each other on the way everlasting, so that together we may inherit the blessings promised to us. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing together from Psalm 146, stanzas 4 and 5. <clears throat>